0: Welcome. My name is Dr. Jonathan Vorse, and thank you for downloading our podcast today on Working the Word. Make sure you hit that subscribe button to receive new podcasts every week. Thank you for your support at jvors.org and enjoy the message today. Chapter 8, and we're going to begin in verse number 1. The Bible said, And it came to pass afterward that Jesus went throughout every city and village... Preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. And certain women, which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Harold's steward, and Susanna, and many others, which ministered unto him of their substance. And when much people were gathered together and were come to him out of every city, he spake by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed. And his disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? And he said, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables that seeing they might not see and hearing they might not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear when then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. They on the rock are they, which when they hear receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. And that which fell among thorns are they, which when they have heard go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to perfection." But that on the good ground are they which is in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. Please join me in prayer. Father, we just come to you right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather together and to learn your word. I pray that you would touch me to be the mouthpiece of God today, to be able to effectively communicate your word. Thank you for the ears that are here today. May they be ears that can hear. May their hearts receive. May our understanding be enlightened as we delve into your word today. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. 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 Look at your neighbor and say, You're blessed. You're blessed. blessed. Come on, tell them. Tell them, say, I call you blessed. I call you blessed. Amen. We're going to be talking today for the next few moments on Jesus introducing the kingdom of God. The very theme of Jesus' life and the very theme of Jesus' ministry was the kingdom of God. Now throughout the years I have taught you that the kingdom of God is God's system and God's ways of doing things. And that's kind of a shrunk down uh, version of what it is, I decided I should expound on that just a little bit. And so here's what I wrote down while I was working on this in the car driving on the way and, uh, and in Alabama. The kingdom of God is the realm of God. It's visible or invisible. It's the place where God's systems and ways of doing things are already established or are being established and is already working. So we see Jesus promoting the kingdom of God. Throughout the New Testament, we can see the development of the kingdom of God. In fact, in Matthew chapter 3, we see John the Baptist prophesying that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was preaching about Jesus. He was prophesying of Jesus. In Luke chapter 17 and verse 21, we see where Jesus declared that the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. So John prophesied it was coming. Then Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is in the midst of you. In Luke chapter 19 and verse 14, we see where Israel refused to accept the kingdom of God. Remember when Jesus said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I would have gathered you as chicks, as a hen would gather her chicks under her wings, but you would not. They missed the day of their visitation. So they rejected the kingdom of God. So this brings us to Luke chapter 8 and verse number 10, where I read to you today, where the Bible says, and he said unto you, it is given to know the mysteries "...of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables that seeing they might not see, and hearing they might not understand." Because Jesus knows all things. He knows the end from the beginning. He knew that that Jerusalem and that Israel was going to originally reject the message of the kingdom of heaven. So He came to the earth to establish an organism called the church... Jesus became the head of the church. We become the body of the church. We become the place where God dwells, the conduits of God's power, the conduits of God's anointing, if you will. And so he establishes the church in the earth and to the church, he says this, because the disciples were the foundation of the church. To the the founders of the church, he says this, unto you... It is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. So what he was saying was there will be some that will hear the message of the gospel and they won't receive it because they cannot understand it. Then it behooves the church, those of us who are God's hands and feet and eyes and eyes, and and mouth and, and all of that. It's our job to declare the message and to explain the message of the gospel of the kingdom to those who would have ears to hear. So he tells them to the church, he said, I give you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. We go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 1 and we see where the Bible calls ministers stewards of the mysteries of God. So those of us who minister, it's our responsibility, in fact, it's our marching orders to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God and to declare the mysteries of the kingdom of God to people who do not understand. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse number 2, that wonderful love chapter that we all talk about sometimes. In 1 Corinthians 13 and verse number 2, we find a passage that alludes to the fact that through the supernatural ministry of the prophetic, we can understand all mysteries and knowledge. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse number 2, the Bible declares that those which speak with other tongues are speaking spiritual mysteries. That's what the Bible says. Thus, the necessity of the interpretation with other tongues. And that's what the Scriptures teach. I want to just say this, and I I don't want to go too far down this road, but I just want to say this really boldly, and I want you to hear it and understand. Jesus was a Holy Ghost man. Jesus was a Holy Ghost man. The Holy Spirit... The Bible, says, the Bible says that when Mary came to her cousin Elizabeth and broke the news to her that she was with child and she told her about the angel coming, the Bible says that Elizabeth, who was six months pregnant with John the Baptist, received the word and John the Baptist at six months old leaped in her womb and was filled with what? The Holy Ghost. That's what the Bible says. On the river Jordan, the Bible said the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus like a dove. And the Bible said that there was a voice that came out of heaven that said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye Him. Jesus understood the power of the Spirit. Jesus understood the working of the Holy Ghost. Jesus understood that His life and His ministry and the setting up of the kingdom was the bridge between the Old Testament law and the New Testament dispensation of grace. Jesus understood that, and he understood that the planks on that bridge was the word of prophecy and the word of knowledge and speaking with other tongues and miracles. So in other words, it was a supernatural transition from the fulfillment of the law to the inception of grace. Jesus understood that, and so Jesus knew that he would be battled because people that are steeped in legalism and people that are steeped in the law do not understand the concept of grace. They can't understand why. They'll they'll say things like this. They'll say, well, why would we need the, the Holy Spirit to move? Why would we need to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance? Why would we need to do those things? The reason they're asking questions like that is because they've never experienced the move of God in their life. And so we go on today the kingdom of God is manifested through the church. And so we're talking about the development of the kingdom. So we see in Matthew 3, 1, where John the Baptist declared it. We see in Luke 17, 21, where the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. We see in Luke 19, 14, where Israel refused to accept the kingdom. We see in Luke 8 and verse number 10, that even though Israel originally rejected the kingdom, our heavenly father came to establish the church and said unto you, it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Then we look further into the future in the development of the kingdom and we go to Revelation eleven fifteen, Revelation 19, 16 and Revelation 20 and 4 where the Bible says the kingdom of God will eventually manifest itself at the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and Jesus will set up the millennial kingdom and He will rule and reign with Christ. We will rule and reign with Christ For a thousand years. Then we go to 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 11. And I want to go over there to 2 Peter in this service. I told him in the first service, I said, we're going to delve into this one a little bit in the second service. But 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 11 says this For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, let's find out why that scripture was put there. Let's go all the way back to verse number one. Are you ready? Are you ready? Say, let's go, pastor. Let's go. All right. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us, how? Through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied. Somebody say, multiplied. Multiplied. Be multiplied unto you, how? Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. You want more grace in your life? You want more peace in your life? Learn more about God. Learn more about Jesus. How do I do that? Get in the word. Live in the word. There's life in the word. Live in the word of God. And then the Bible said, number three, according as His divine power hath given unto us all things. Somebody say all. Come on. All things that pertain unto life and godliness. How? Through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue. We're called to the manifestation of God's presence. We're called to the ambience of God. We're called by God to live in the glory. We are called to His glory and we're called to His virtue. That means power. Listen, the supernatural power of God is not just a bonus that we receive. The supernatural power of God is something we're called to. As spirit-led and spirit-filled children of God, we are called to glory and virtue. And then the Bible said, By this, or whereby, are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that By these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides all of this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity or love. And for if these things be in you, now listen, here's a key. If these things be in you and abound, there's a key. And abound, you have to let it grow in you. You gotta let it grow in you. You gotta, you gotta let God get in you. And then you, then once God gets in you, you gotta let him get big in you. You gotta let him get big in you. You gotta let his love grow big in you. You gotta let his power grow big in you. You gotta let his anointings grow big in you. You gotta let, let the blessing of God, the glory of you, you got just let it get big in you. Just the expand the borders of your garments and let God get big in you. If these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what this is saying is if you let God get in you, if you let him abound in you, if you let him grow in you, then the revelation of the mysteries of the kingdom of God, which comes to us through knowledge, will begin to be unveiled. In other words, you will not be unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You can serve God all of your life And when you're laying on your deathbed, there's still things you can learn about Jesus. Hey, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's right. Okay, keep going. (laughs) Verse number 9. But he that lacketh these things is blind. He can't see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. So, verse number 10. Peter is writing, and he said, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, ye shall never fall. And then he says, verse number 11, this is what brought us to verse number 11, For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Wherefore, I would not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance of these things, knowing that shortly, knowing that shortly I must put off this tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me. So, what he's saying is, Jesus came, and the theme of his life and the theme of his ministry was the kingdom of God. And what he was saying was, I knew that Israel originally was going to reject the kingdom of God, so I'll establish this church, and I'll make it possible, it's possible in this church, to understand the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And so you can understand these mysteries, and then he goes on, and he talks about how that, how that the revelation of Jesus can abound inside of you now let's go to verse number 11 verse number 11 Luke chapter 8 and verse number 11 now the parable is this he says the seed is the word of God look at your neighbor and say the seed is the word of God tell him that say the seed is the word of God that's what the word of God is it's the seed say it again the seed is is the word of God throughout the eons of time there have been and throughout theological studies and throughout the years generations of scholars there have been many different people that have tried to define what the seed is some people have said said the seed has to do with his some people say the seed is finances when you give some people say the seed is this and the seed is that And is that. you know what Jesus said the seed is Come on, you just said it three times, four times. That's right, that's right. Jesus said the seed is the word of God. That's what he said. So, what does that mean? Well, if I know that the seed is the word of God, then what I have to do is I have to get into the word of God and let that seed be sown into my life. Now, here's the beautiful thing about it. Those things that I mentioned before are all in the Word of God. They're seeds that are in the Word of God. Let me put it like this. The message of redemption, we have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, is seeds from the Word of God. That's the message. The message of salvation from sin and justification by faith, that is the message. It's seeds from the Word of God. The message of sanctification, holiness, and righteousness are seeds from the Word of God. The messages of healing and miracles provided in the atonement are seeds from the Word of God. The message of divine provision, unexplainable peace, supernatural joy, that's all in the Word. So it's seeds from the Word of God. So what are you saying, Pastor? Here's what I'm saying. I'm saying talk Word because when you talk Word, you're casting seed. When the teacher gets up and teaches, they're casting seed. Preach, preacher, because when you're preaching, you're casting seed. When you're gathered around a table somewhere and you're fellowshipping around the Word of God, you're casting seed. It's our responsibility to cast seed. Now, let me go just a little bit farther. Where does the seed land? The seed lands on soil. Is it our responsibility to provide the soil? No. Why not? You are the soil. The soil was provided by God the day he breathed into your nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. You are God's soil. Your life is soil to receive seed. The seed of the word of God. The seed of the truths of God. The seed of prophetic utterance under the unction of the Holy Spirit. The seed to receive the mysteries, the revelation of the mysteries of the kingdom of God through the work and the person of the Holy Spirit. We are soil. So we have a responsibility to both cast seed and we have the responsibility to be the soil to receive seed. So then we go into this passage of Scripture here, and you'll notice that verses 5 through 8, Jesus uh, gives the parable of the sower. And then in verse number 9, the disciples ask Him, saying, uh, what might this parable be? And so Jesus addresses the disciples. Now, whether the other people were there or not, I'm not sure. But I do know that when it came time to reveal the mystery of what the seed was and, and the different types of soil and whatnot, Jesus was addressing the disciples. So what he was doing was he, was he was establishing the kingdom and he was beginning to lay foundation stones of mysteries being revealed by addressing the disciples. And so he looked at them and he began to talk to them about the different types of soil. Verse number 12, there's four types of soil. He said, those by the wayside are they that hear. Then comes the devil, takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. So the first place, the first kind of soil is wayside soil. That's what Jesus said. Jesus told the disciples, I'm going to reveal this to you. It's wayside soil. What is wayside soil? Well, the scriptures teach us that the the enemy will come along and he will try to grab the word of God out of their heart, lest they should believe and be saved. These are skeptical people. These are superficial Christians. These are people who come to church on Sunday morning for the purpose of punching the clock and going home so they can look back on Sunday morning and say, yeah, I went to church this week. That's superficial Christianity. That's what that is. And so, and so we look on there, and then we see that it's, that, that it's very easy for the enemy, very easy for the enemy to pluck them. It's very easy for the enemy to talk them out of the truths of God's Word because they're so skeptical. God starts moving. Listen, let me tell you something. The Bible said the just shall live by faith. And you can live your entire life in ministry. You can live your entire life as a Christian. You can live your entire life serving God. And there will still be things about God's Word that you do not understand. Hello? Hello? And so, because you can't explain it through reason, things that you can only receive through revelation, the enemy will come to you and he will try to pluck the truth of God's word from you. And as a result of it, people that are very skeptical and they're very superficial in their faith end up not even serving God. They've had the gospel presented to them, but because they're so skeptical, the scales have not fallen from their eyes. And so this is the wayside soil. They have a very hard time giving their life to Christ. The second kind of soil is this. Verse Verse 13. They on the rock are they, which when they hear... They received the word with joy, but they had no root. Which for a while believe, and then in the time of temptation, fall away. These are people who are shallow in their faith. If you tell me that you've been living for Jesus for a really long time, and you've never had a battle, I'm going to look at you and tell me, I have the papers to the Brooklyn Bridge. I'd like to sell it to you. <laughs> That's just not going to happen. Listen, these are people who are shallow in their faith. There's a lot of flash. They have a lot of flash. They have a lot of joy. They they desire attention. They appear to be spiritual, but in but when tough times hit, they just take off running. They die because they have absolutely no root system. Here's what I put down. They're shouters and professors, but not the possessors. I'm going to say it again. I said they are the shouters and the professors, but they're not the possessors. Here's what the Word of God teaches us. The Bible said those that have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof from such turn away. In other words, get away from those people. If you're around someone who's shallow in their faith and they're trying to grow in their faith, hang around them and try to pull them up. But if they're shallow in their faith and they're not trying to grow, get away from them. Get away from them. You don't want them to pull you down. You need to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. So those that are on the rock are those that hear the word, they receive the word with joy, but they have no root. And then when the tough time comes, they fall away. They're very difficult to teach because they have unrepentant spirits. And because of this, it is easy for Satan to destroy that seed because they have no depth. Then the third kind of soil that Jesus was explaining to the disciples here, and possibly those that were around there, is the thorny soil. Verse number 14, That which fell among the thorns are they which when they have heard, they go forth and they're choked with the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. Doesn't say that they don't start bearing fruit. It says it doesn't come to perfection perfection. In other words, they only go so far in their faith. They only go so far in their spiritual maturity. In other words, you know, the Bible said newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that they may grow thereby. Well, there comes a time when that newborn baby has to grow up. And the Bible says in the book of Corinthians that we, that we would grow up into him in all things, that we become part of the body of of Christ and in the process of growing up spiritually just like in the process of growing up naturally there are different phases of one's growth and this area right here the thorny is what I would call the juvenile stage in other words I'm gonna get my way or I'm gonna take my marbles and go home I'm gonna just hop to the next church then I'm going to hop to the next one after that. And then I'm going to hop to the next one because I don't get what I want. Listen, you're never going to grow that way. Replanting a plant from one soil to the next over and over and over and over and it not have an adverse effect on its nutrient system. If it's going to grow, it has to get rooted and it has to get grounded. And it has to get planted. Like Phil and Becky, this is the first time that they've ever come down as snowbirds, but they come from a church where they served for over 30 years in Ohio. You got John and Helen over here at Dr. Bar- Barclay's church. Way back when they were getting started in living rooms and stuff like that, 35 years or probably more. As a, They're down here. They come here because, because they like the word that's here and they feel like God has called them here while they're here. But they're still loyal to their church that they've been a part of for 30 some years. I can point at some of you. Some of you that's been here, uh, Sister Nita, she's been here since the third service, since we've been here for the third service. Many of you have been here five, six, seven years, eight years, and there's some of you that's been here a lot longer than I have, and I've been here nine years starting in May. I'm talking about being faithful. Let me tell you something. If you're looking for a place to grow in God, and God gives you that place to grow in God, Then hook, stay there. Well, I just don't like the way things are going. You're going to get into the next church, and you're going to hit a spot like that in the next church. It's just the way that it is. You have to learn how to make it through. People that are on the thorny soil, they just bounce. You know, they they start to produce fruit, but before the fruit comes into perfection. They let that spirit of offense get a hold, a hold of them. And, you know, these, these folks, they don't like to hear it when you talk to them about living holy, when you talk to them about living separate, when you talk to them about... They say, they say when you talk about sanctification that that's an old school jo- doctrine. So they re- reject it in favor of a more modern gospel. Listen, God's Word don't change. God's Word changes us. But God's Word don't change You know, I've quoted the Scripture many times to you. The grass withers, the flower fades. God's Word will stand forever. The only thing that you can bank on is the fact that things will change, but God won't. God won't change. These people who are among the thorns, they're easily offended. Their faith is more about them. And they make statements like, well, you know, I, I just quit receiving. Well, you know, I just quit being fed. Did you quit coming hungry? Because I'm going to tell you something. Uh, We spread a table for you when it comes to the Word around here. If anyone leaves this place and they say that they didn't get fed, it's not because the table hasn't been spread. It's because they haven't been partaking. Hallelujah. We throw so much seed of the Word of God to you, you can walk out of here and just waddle spiritually if you want to. Every Sunday. So the, but they'll make statements like that. They'll say, you know what, I just quit getting fed and all of that. Listen, these are people that don't understand the value of servanthood. They're usually busybodies. They usually create trouble, especially when things don't go their way. So that makes them easy targets for Satan. All Satan has to do is promise them the moon. That's all he has to do. Convince them if you're in a battle that you must have missed God. And he tells them there's no reason for you to be accountable. The spiritual authority. And this is where the majority of the modern church is today. But I got good news for you. There's a remnant. There's still one more kind of soil. And that kind of soil is good ground. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm gonna be good ground. Yeah, come on, look at him and say, I'm gonna be good ground, good ground. Let's have a little fun talking about this, all right? The Bible said, but that on the good ground are they which, in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. Hallelujah. I'm going to be good ground. These are believers. Who not only receive the word of God with joy, but they allow the word of God to shape them and to mold them and to make their lives. They're teachable and obedient to the things of the spirit and the instructions of the word of God. They have godly character and they're Jesus focused. They're Jesus focused. That's good ground. These are the kind of people that God can use. How do you know that they're because they're producing good fruit for the kingdom of God? I've said it a long time. We're not judges, but we are fruit inspectors. You know them by the fruit that they bear. We know them by the fruit that they bear. These people have servant's heart and they are hungry for the things of God. They come to worship because they love to worship. Not to be seen of men. They fellowship around things pertaining to the kingdom of God. When they go out, join themselves to a table to have a little bit of fellowship and a little gossiping starts, they pick up their water and say, Y'all have a blessed day. And they go to another table and try to find somebody that's talking word. That's good ground. These are, these are the ones that are bringing forth good fruit. This is the real church. It's the body of Christ attached to the head of the church, which is Jesus Christ. Their focus is on Him, and He cares about them, and they care about what Jesus cares about. Now, let me say this. Jesus came to establish the church, right? He said, I'm going to show you the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but you have to be good soil in order to receive the... The engrafted Word of God. Now, in order for us to receive what we need from the Lord, then we need to get with the program of the church. I'm not talking about the local. I'm, not talking, about, I'm talking about God's church. And what I mean by that is the Bible said that Jesus is the head of the church and we're His body. That's what the Word says. I was talking to Ron Gina in my prayer room uh, before the first service, and I shared with him a little something, and I was talking to him about how that we all need to be part of of God's body. None of us is the head. Jesus is the head. He's the head of the church, okay? If you're called to be a hand, be a hand. If you're called to be a foot, be a foot. Sometimes God's called more than one to be a hand. Sometimes this hand needs this hand to get done what needs to get done. But what if this hand says, I don't want to be a hand. The Bible said, how beautiful are the feet of them that carry the gospel of peace. So I want to be a foot. But God didn't call you to be a foot. God called you to be a hand. And so what's going on in a lot of churches today, instead of people staying in their lane and being what God's created them to be, to work on it, you got something that needs two hands, they're working on it like this. And it don't work. And the reason it don't work is because you're not staying in your lane. The real church is interested on focusing on Jesus. Their heartbeat is the heartbeat of God. They have an insatiable desire to please God, to win the lost, to train disciples. It's not about me. It's about the body of Christ. What about me, 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 me? What about you? What about you? Same blood that saved me will save you. Same Jesus that set me free will set you. God is no respecter of persons. Red and yellow, black and white, we're all precious in God's sight. So people that receive the word of God and they become good ground, they start bearing fruit. You can see... (laughs) You can see the perfected fruit of redemption in their lives. I'm going to go down this little track here. You can see the perfected fruit of divine healing working in their lives. You can see the perfected fruit of supernatural prosperity working in their lives. Why? Because when the Word of God is expounded upon, taught, preached, received in conversations over dinner or whatever through godly fellowship, when that word is received, it's not going into wayside soil and it's not going into rocky soil and it's not going into thorny soil, it's going into good ground. Fertile soil. So I want to encourage you today. That's the kind of ground you need to be. You need to be good ground. Ground that receives the word of almighty God. So Jesus looks at them in Luke chapter 8 and verse number 10. And he says, unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables that seeing they might see and hearing they might not understand. What Jesus was trying to say to them is there are different levels of devotion. We're called to holy living. We're called to righteous living. We're called by God to be conduits of God's power and God's glory. I shared with you, we're called to God's glory. We're called to God's virtue. We're called to power. We're called to these things. That's the word. That's what the Bible says. It's not what Pastor Jonathan said or Dr. Vorce. It's what? Bible says we're called to these things and some of you are feeling that call right now you're you're sensing I mean there's there may be people here and people that are watching because we do live stream the second service around the world and you may feel that tug to, to give your life to Jesus that's wonderful we're going to give you the opportunity to do that but there are some of you that's sitting there thinking hmm what kind of soil have I been? What kind of soil have I been? Listen, this is not a message of condemnation. The Bible said there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. This is a message of reflection. What kind of soil? Have I been wayside soil? Lord, show me. Lord, have I been rocky soil? Show me, Lord. What kind of soil have I been? Have I been thorny soil? Well, i tell you what I want to be. God, I want to be good soil. I want to be good soil. And so while God's dealing with some of you to make your start and live for Jesus, or maybe come back to Him after you've been away from Him for a long time, maybe come back to Him, there's other people here and maybe watching that God is dealing with. You need to shift your soil. Shift your soil. I want to be open to the Word of God. When the word of God is being preached, I don't want to be skeptical. I don't want to be a superficial Christian. No. I need to to bear fruit. I want to be a fruit-bearing Christian. And I realize that comes through staying connected to God's church. Connected. Receiving the flow of the Holy Spirit through the wisdom and the revelation and the knowledge of Him. Allowing God's Spirit to reveal things to me and to teach me and to guide me into all truth. And that might be you today. We need to shift the soil. Now, you might say, well, you know what? We've checked the boxes. Lord, I thank you for the fruit that you have given me. I've done my best to be good soil. Well, here's how you can pray. Lord, may we abound. May we abound in glory. May we abound in virtue. May we abound in fruit bearing. May we be more effective for you and for your kingdom. Listen, listen to me very closely, church. As long as there is one lost person walking the streets of Pasco County, our job is not done. Did you hear me? As long as there is even one lost person, a county of 500,000 people, even though there is just one lost person walking the streets of Pasco County, our job's not done. We need to reap them as the last day harvest for the kingdom of God. It's all Stan. Thank you for listening to Dr. Jonathan Vorse on Working the Word. We appreciate your love and support. Visit www.jvorse.org to give a gift today. Don't forget to subscribe and enjoy the rest of your day. Always remember, the Word will work if you work the Word. Be blessed.